Over the past two centuries, between 1350 and 1550, artists have renewed the standards of what it truly means to create beauty through craft. After centuries of being stuck replicating the same unnatural styles, there begins the rebirth of the artist. To achieve realism, the artist must have a vast knowledge of multiple fields of study, with greatest emphasis on understanding nature. Each of the works in our studiolo share one common trait. They were created by artists who were successful in their pursuit of realistically depicting life and storytelling through visual art, thanks to their careful study of the natural world. Curators and visitors alike will appreciate our studiolo as a place of retreat, where they are able to further their own knowledge of nature and take inspiration from how the following artists depict it. The carefully chosen pieces presented chronologically will spark conversations about the importance of studying nature, including flora and fauna, perspective, light and shadow, and the elements, as the rebirth of Flores commenced. Signor Botticelli's Birth of Venus is a crucial contribution to the studiolo created in Florence in 1485. Emblematic of the social and political transformations of the time, it is highly probable that the work was commissioned by a member of the Medici family, as it was described by Giorgio Vasari as found in the Medici's Villa of Castello, a theory born of the orange trees in the painting, which are considered an emblem of the Medici dynasty. Elements of nature were used as a metaphor for spiritual experiences and femininity, as seen in the plentiful motifs surrounding Venus herself within this piece and supporting the mythological subject matter. The inclusion of such an artwork within this studiolo supports in presenting one's knowledge of mythological lore and its context to contemporary times, as understanding mythology directly complements comprehension of nature due to natural symbolism within mythological texts to reinforce morals. Botticelli implemented nature to include the Renaissance movement, occurring at the time of the painting's creation, combining iconography representative of femininity and fertility to reference the rebirth of civilization, society, and culture. By modeling his creation of the goddess of Venus after a classical sculpture of her ancient likeness, he was able to partake in what Erwin Panofsky considered the true Renaissance. This occurred when the expressive forms of a given subject within the painting were derived from an authentic classical statue of Venus, combining classical subject matter with its classical reference. Botticelli's art artistic endeavor was in the Renaissance pursuit of humanism, which reverted attention to ancient Greek and Roman concepts. In creating an origin scene for her figure to emerge from, adorned with the natural elements of air, sea, and earth, this piece effectively provides information on philosophy and history through both nature and femininity, utilizing beauty to benefit the soul of those observing this painting dripping in golden light. The owner of the studiolo possesses a rich knowledge of these subjects and is aware of Botticelli putting contemporary anatomical learning into action to paint a reference to a classical artwork with what artists know now in 1551. He adapted the decorative elements to better reflect his personal style and signify contemporary perception of women, specifically Venus of Love and Beauty, who is now recognizable for her representation of fertility, birth, rebirth, and the Renaissance itself. The sea is the central focus of the piece, which itself birthed Venus, while Zephyr, god of the wind, blows her to shore. Florals dancing in the wind and shrouding the grace of spring, ready to welcome Venus ashore to the lush land, reinforce references of fertility. The goddess, effervescent in her purest form, brought to fruition by the wind and sea, was achieved through delicate detailing influenced by Botticelli's mentor, Fra Filippo Lippi. In observing his skills in beauty and har visual harmony, Botticelli created scenes of balanced, elongated figures distributed evenly across the setting, comprised of organic line work to achieve realistic creations of near perfection. Evidence of influencing grace and movement was represented in the peripheral figures, complemented by tall trees emphasizing the figure's stature and reach. Additionally, attention to detail in small elements like draperies, hands, and expressions was directly taught by the work of Lippi to contribute to Botticelli's portrayal of nature, beauty, and fertility. 
It is the natural elements representing fertility, however, that support the knowledge and science that would benefit the mind of those visiting the space. The phallic imagery in the grasses at her feet, along with the yonic illusion and the florals in the clamshell itself, are evidence of understanding anatomy. However, it is Venus's nude frame that proves the studiolo's owner is not only a modern thinker, but supports presenting the female body for its power and the ability to create life. Though the use of the nude was not gratuitous, it was still considered taboo in the transition from secularity. Regardless of the shock of nudity, Venus was still portrayed as fresh-faced and fertile as a result of the harmonious use of color, directing, directly contributing to the feelings of tranquility when visiting the studio. Radiating light as she shines ethereally out upon the canvas, she maintains classical demonstrations of feminine power and nudity while still offering a sense of autonomy and being presented as nude while maintaining the potential to be maternal. While not overtly educational, her creation was inspired by rather vague poetic sensations rather than precise archaeology. Visitors to the studio bear witness to Botticelli's imagination more than to his erudition, which shows the curator's capacity for critical modern thought while immersing themselves in a space concentrated on beauty and peace. According to Giorgio Vasari, Botticelli was considered to be the pinnacle of the golden age of art produced under the renowned Medici family patronage. However, despite his fame during his lifetime, Botticelli's name was quite forgotten for several centuries following his passing. Venus and Mars, painted in 1485, is an oil and tempera painting on a poplar panel housed in the London National Gallery and is the second of two of his paintings that we are lucky to be in possession of in our studio low. Similarly, this work sensually displays the Roman gods, once again featuring the goddess Venus. The myth was popular among Florentines who knew the story of the love affair well. Venus was in fact married to the god Vulcan, an unattractive blacksmith. When he heard that Venus had been unfaithful to him, he made a fine net of chains to catch her in the act. The net was so delicate that the two beautiful gods did not know that they had been captured until it was too late. Venus, the goddess of love, turns to face Mars, her lover. She is aware and respectable, while he, the god of battle, is sound asleep. The choppy satires are blowing a conch shell in his ear, which goes completely unnoticed by him. The odd shape of this artwork shows that it was a spilliera, a panel, put into a room's wall, and it was most likely ordered to commemorate a marriage. These panels were intended to embellish the camera, a sort of chamber that serves as a semi-public greeting area. The elite in Renaissance Florence appreciated the cultures of ancient Greece and Rome, as seen in Botticelli's vibrant and humorous artwork, which was also quite popular. Mars's distinct physique makes intentional allusions to historical sculptures. It may have had another purpose as well. It was believed that women who looked at attractive male bodies would be more likely to give birth to boys, which is necessary to carry on the family line. Artists of the Renaissance began to concentrate on topics other than solely Christian paintings and drew more inspiration from the natural world. Sandro Botticelli is among the artists who began drawing influence from Greek and Roman mythology and incorporating natural elements into his paintings. Metaphors and meanings abound throughout nature. Temporal phenomena such as wind, rain, thunderstorms, and snowfall were used by Renaissance artists to convey various emotions and draw viewers into the landscape's experience. The pieces in this area explore the various interpretations that each element of landscape composition, such as the sky, water, or flowers can have. 
they also show how each element actively participates in the story and influences the devotions, prayers, hymns, and meditations. Botticelli's dedication to accurately depicting the human form is demonstrated by the careful attention to anatomy and proportion in his paintings of Venus and Mars. Venus's idealized beauty and Mars's powerful physical attributes reflect the classical ideals in old writings and sculptures the Renaissance artists would get inspired by and essentially imitate. Additionally, the surroundings are included in the most realistic details. A lively bunch of satires and a lush landscape full of flowers and plants give the scenario dimension that each symbolizes something unique and gives depth to the work. For example, in another painting by Botticelli, The Birth of Venus, flowers are used to represent the femininity of Venus. The vegetation and animals in the composition demonstrate Botticelli's astute study of nature, which adds to its overall harmony and balance. Visual cues are used to tell the story, with Venus appearing to arouse the sleeping Mars. A theme that runs through classical mythology is the tension between love and war, which is beautifully captured in this moment. Botticelli demonstrates a profound understanding of storytelling through visual art through his skilled use of gesture, expression, and symbolism to communicate a narrative that transcends basic representation. Venus and Mars is a powerful illustration of how Renaissance artists such as Botticelli blended their in-depth research of the natural world with their storytelling prowess to produce works of art that not only portray the beauty of the natural world and the human form, but also withheld rich, classically rooted narratives. Moving away from a focus on mythology, our studiolo focuses on the process of the artist to achieve such captivating realism seen in the previously mentioned works. Da Vinci returns to a focus on depicting Christianity in art, but he must first hone his skills in realistically representing his subjects. To become as skilled a painter as Leonardo da Vinci, it is crucial to have a broad range of knowledge and skill. One of da Vinci's many sketches, The Star of Bethlehem and Other Plants, circa 1505 to 1508, is an excellent example of how the artist's success was built on his relentless study and analysis of the natural world. In Vasari's Life of Giotto, the author opens with the importance of this study to lend his praise to him, stating that the debt which painters owe to nature, which serves continually as an example to them, that from her they may select the best and finest parts for reproduction and imitation, is due also to the Florentine painter Giotto. Like Giotto, da Vinci was committed to learning from nature and his craft. Beyond studying the anatomy of life in nature, including plants, animals, and humans, da Vinci's skills are deepened by his understanding of natural law. Art and science intersect and aid each other in many ways, specifically rooted in nature. A great artist will learn from da Vinci and build their practice on a study of physics, arithmetic, and anatomy, in addition to their visual analysis of the world. Author Eugène Muntz describes da Vinci's book, Trattato della Pittura, or A Treatise of Painting, as a collection of subtle ideas and practical counsels of scientific observations in which the spirit of analysis is pushed to its extreme limits and of those concrete guesses or intuitions that reveal the artist of genius. Though the Star of Bethlehem and other plants is not as highly rendered as his many famous masterpieces, it is this drawing along with his many other studies and sketches that honed his skills to the perfection that his work is praised for today. When appreciating this work, it is important for the viewer to look at the study as da Vinci would have looked at the world. How does one's eye interpret information? 
How does vision change through space? Da Vinci's goal with this sketch is not to achieve high realism, but to give as realistic a representation of nature as possible in a quick study with limited materials. This is achieved through line weights, detail, and movement. The Star of Bethlehem is rendered most clearly with thicker, darker lines where the plant is, in the artist's point of view, closest to the eye. As in real life, the foliage loses its contrast with its environment as it is further away from the viewer. The leaves and flowers in the front are shaded in greater detail and contrast to give the viewer a sense of depth. The rest of the plant in the scene with the Star of Bethlehem follow similar rules, fading away to nothing as they become farther away. Additionally, this drawing subtly displays da Vinci's knowledge of physics. When drawing from life, it is easy to be thrown off by how subtle movements of the object, or of the artist himself, change the perception of the subject. This drawing is evidently done outdoors on a breezy day. While winds and breeze shift throughout the process of the drawing, da Vinci represents the plant as a photo of a moment, in which the flowers and foliage are impacted by the same movement. The more flexible, movable leaves are lifted and swept in one direction, while the flowers with the more rigid stems are more subtly impacted, some with a slight lean, but most with only slightly bent petals in the direction of the breeze. The skills da Vinci displays in this drawing are crucial to achieving the realism displayed in his later works. Without his passion for studying nature in all its forms, the multi-talented artist would be nowhere near as well-known as he remains today. We have the Star of Bethlehem and other plants, along with his many other studies, to thank for masterpieces as influential and controversial as the Mona Lisa and the Last Supper. Boricelli's rendition and Da Vinci's study of nature reassured the visitors that Florence is the home of some of the most prominent artists in Italy. Therefore, she shall return to her glory. As visitors continued to move on, they encountered the Venetian art of Titian, Pastore Concerto, a set to oil on canvas which grounds its motives in the physical realms in contrast to the fantastical scenes that were created by Botticelli and Raphael. Pastoral scenery was a prominent setting in Venetian poetry, romanticizing the countryside as a sanctuary where people can escape from their troubles. Hence, this piece is here to render the idea through storytelling which nature provides a sanctuary for visitors. Sharing a relaxed, intimate moment, indulging in music, nudity, and leisure are four figures centered in the foreground. Their actions would have been disdained by the previous ruler, Savonarola, responsible for the downfall of Florence's culture, for he considered these activities to be the vices of humanism. Thus, this piece reserves a hideaway for the visitors to indulge in the vices of art that were once unlawful in Florence, as they contemplate upon the future of Florence as she is being rebuilt under the Medici rule. The main figure are the two men captivated by each other's presence. Their proximity suggests a sense of homoerotism as they are oblivious to the nude woman. Upon closer attention, the faces of the men are blurred to the visitors, only identifiable by their attire, a patrician figure playing the lute and the shepherd amused by his music. This riddled attribute allows the visitors to envision themselves as the men who retreated into the depths of nature's arms to indulge in the art and company of one another. According to Vasari, the characteristic of creating Enigma was the trade Giorgina was notable for. Being a close companion and mentor of Titian, Titian incorporated many traits of Giorgina's art styles, from his enigma to the techniques of glazing and impasto, to an extent where historians would often get both their works confused, including this piece. What made Titian surpass his mentor was his curiosity of techniques, including da Vinci's formato. Fumara allowed Titian to intensify the mystery of figures by creating a hazy texture over the men's faces. Additionally, the use of Fumara in his overall painting enriched this piece with a soft hue, creating an almost dreamlike and carefree visuals, alluring the visitors to get lost in a painting. 
Already enlightened by the Star of Bethlehem and by incorporating this piece into the studiolo, the visitors are given the opportunity to discuss how Florentine artists are still able to influence even the Venetians, who are currently considered the main peninsula for art, culture, and merchandise. Compared to the other pieces where motives of classical Renaissance are devised through mythological stories, Titian's work focuses on grounding these motives within our physical realm, indicating that true leisure and paradise can be found in the company of others in nature. This is evident from the two unnoticed nude women who are speculated to be nymphs. Maybe the men were not ignorant of their existence, but rather they couldn't see them. The visitors can see the usage of contrapasto and nudity, classical technique used to represent classical antiquity, to set them within our natural world. Therefore, unlike Botticelli and Raphael's work, Titian used classical mythology to provide insight on Venetian storytelling and storytelling ideologies that landscapes were inhibited by gaudy creatures, heightening the theme of nature as a tranquil setting where the visitors can be carefree and enjoy leisure with mystical creatures. Compared to his predecessor, Titian was the first Venetian to study classical technique, hence with his refined knowledge in colors and understanding of classicism, helped, with him, helped him to unveil a vivid portrayal of nature that easily immersed the visitors into his painting. Distinguishing him as a prominent figure in Italian art as he creates tranquil scenery of harmony, freedom, and vividness. Thus, Titian's rendering of nature gives the visitors not only knowledge of contemporary Venetian style, but also provides a retreat into the sanctuary, hidden in the pastures beauty, lost in a carefree world of relaxation as they wait and see what Florence's future turns out to be. In Greek mythology, Galatea fell in love as she beheld the giant cyclopolyphemus chased after his lovers and threw down a huge column that killed Zesus. The painting shows the goddess Galatea driving a huge chariot of the shells drawn by dolphins. Galatea is surrounded by mermaids and seagulls. Raphael does not describe the main plot of the story. Gaetia seems aware of the noise and the commotion. The show grows and becomes one with the sea and sky. Raphael chooses the apotheosis of Gaetia, similar to Birth of Venus. There is also a group of figures with both human and animal features. Some are centered, some are half men, half fish. Centers is associated with violence. Nature often plays an equal important role in the description of mythological subjects, as does the background, which reflects in the figures. Nature sets the overall mood of the painting. In Gatia, the sky, sea, and clouds in the background bring a calm, elegant mood to the picture. It also represents the joy and the brightness of the triumphant return. The composition is expressed not only in the modeling of figures, but also in the contrast and the skills in the figures. Gatia appear around other centers, which shapes were inspired by the work of Michelangelo, while the bright colors and the decorations are inspired by ancient Roman paintings. The study claims that Raphael conduct a unique experiment in the studio and paints the oldest blue in history. The dark muscles of mermaids and the power skin of the gods stand out against the pure white clouds, the blue of the sea and the green of the sky, especially the red clouded cape that wraps around the goddess body and lay off her long blonde hair in the wind.
Depending on the build in two parts, the emphasis is on the lower half. The figures are all gathered in different gestures. The painting is stable and harmonious. The contrast between the light and dark raises tension through different hues. The work is a result of humanism in Renaissance art and a reflection that spreads through Rome at the height of the Renaissance through the nature of the background.